Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Oh, hey, before we start the show, i got to tell you about the Allegedly podcast with my lawyers, Bo Bowen and Ryan Schmidt. They got pop culture, they got legal news, they got behind-the-scenes antics, and a whole lot of laughs. One of the best podcasts I've ever heard. Allegedly with Bo and Ryan at thebowenlawgroup.com. Link in the description and everywhere you get your podcasts, of course. And now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. I think it's the best show on the air ever that has been. It's weird how good it is. It's so strange. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, January 4, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hello, my name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 714 of the Biden-Harris administration, 671 days until the 24 presidential election. Find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, our Patreon is bobseskashow.com. So today we're jumping into 2023 headfirst with my friend, the great Jen Kirkman. You might know Jen from the Stephanie Miller Show or from her chart-topping OK Gen X comedy album or the No Fun podcast or her must-follow Instagram at Jen Kirkman. And she's been on this show a few times. So today, Jen and I are going to dig into Twitter. We're going to talk about so-called cancel culture, stand-up comedy, casual ageism, the American Nervous Breakdown, and so much more. And by the way, support Jen's work on Patreon, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And while you're on Patreon, please help support this show by subscribing to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. All right, strap in. Here comes Jen Kirkman. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. You know, I'm envisioning that now that you're sequestered in the bathroom and there's someone outside putting wallpaper up, that it's like the Three Stooges and they're wallpapering themselves into your wall accidentally. <laughs> or over the door and I can't get out. <laughs> yes. That'd be fine with me. I don't care. <laughs> I'll stay in here. Oh, right. good. There's there's drilling going on in my building that's right in the bathroom wall. Perfect. <laughs> they're breaking through. That. That's right. Those yeah. are the wallpaper guys using nails and screws to put the wallpaper up. <laughs> You've got a serious crisis in your house right now, Jen. <laughs> uh, no, there's a there's building. Um, something is going on. They've been drilling for weeks, but it's, it's right in my bathroom, which normally doesn't matter. But um, today I'm using it as a recording studio. Yeah. Can you hear that drilling? 
I can't. Believe it or not, I can't. My headphones are way oh. too loud, like excruciatingly loud. And it's not coming through my microphone? No, not at all. This is great news. I'm so happy. Well, I can hear it, which is great. So just know that that's, I'm half listening to you, half listening to the sound of a drill, which sounds like it's in my hip. Well, good. Let's so, just hope yeah. they're not like excavating for rats or something like that. No, they're building a school in my building. If that, if you've ever heard of such a thing. Really? Like, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. Like I've heard like living over like a Korean restaurant or something like that. And I, when I, I moved into this building in Brooklyn last year, it's brand new. I was the first tenant in my apartment unit that had ever lived there. Yeah. And, you know, I noticed that like the first three floors were empty and they didn't, they had a lot of space. It looked like, you know, office space. Like you could put some kind of we work in there or something. Yeah. And I get this email from the building owner about a year after living here that said, well, as you all know, the um, elementary school will be finished in 2023. That's going to be on the third Great. and fourth floors. And I was like, no, no, no one told me that because I think I probably would have <laughs> at least thought twice about moving in because, yes. you know, that sounds noisy. Uh -huh. um, I'm a few floors above that, but I started telling people about it. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's a total New York thing. It's yeah. It's not anything new to people here. And and I was worried, like, but well, there's just going to be a bunch of kids in the lobby. I mean, that's annoying. And also they could get kidnapped. And someone explained to me, no, Jen, they'll have their own entrance. You'll never know. It really yeah. won't impact your life at all. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, but yeah, I didn't, I'd never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Well, you go to them and say, don't you know who I am? Don't, don't you know what I talk about <laughs> on Twitter? Right, exactly. Um, I... <laughs> don't really want children and not that great with them. So if you could not do the school here, thank you. Yes, please. And you don't want me to turn this into a bit on Instagram because I will. And 1,000 people will see it over the course of a year. That's right. Are, are you still uh, on Twitter? Have you bailed out of Twitter yet? I'm still on it, but to be quite honest, I swear, I, I know from the, my past, obviously when I was on it a lot more every hour of the day, I have this somehow reputation from people that know me that I'm always on. I'm never on. I never look. I don't have it on my computer. I just have it on my phone. And yeah. um, I haven't been on it too much in about a year and a half because I don't have any really jokes to write. I just sort of, you know, like we all do, just quote, tweet and maybe <laughs> react to a news thing. But then I was yeah. like, I don't want to do that because that's like they're setting the parameter of here's something you weren't thinking about an hour ago. Now you react. I felt like a tool or a cog in the machine. And so I only go on to promote, um, you know, my podcast or something I'm selling. And, you know, those views don't get in the algorithm or those posts don't get in the algorithm and don't get any views. So I'm like, it's really no point. I use it, you know, where I would be bereft if it went away mm -hmm. is all my lists I've created and all of the news things I follow. Uh, I just go there. It's all in one place. So I'm looking at it a few times a day, but I'm not engaging. And yeah. if, as I said to my friend the other day, if you ever see me posting anything on Twitter that isn't promotion or a conversation with a friend, I'm unhinged. Like my meds are wearing, <laughs> my ADD meds are wearing off for the day. I'm in a bad mood. I haven't slept, but I'm emotionally unregulated yeah. because I started an argument with a bunch of people on Twitter last night about dogs and how oh, I, no. I, I feel like I'm being silenced because I don't like dogs and I need to be able to say it without people telling me something's wrong with me. I mean, I was really serious and I was in a hmm. bad mood. And I'm like, Jen, I knew what I was doing. You know, anytime, any, anyone will tell you that meditates or mental health things, pause, 
Think about what you're doing yeah. and why you're doing it. And I did. I paused. I said, I'm doing this because I'm in a bad mood for no reason. And I can't stop. I went, okay, well, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> Nothing helps. No, no awareness helps. But I eventually stopped and went, this is stupid. And that was it. But yeah, so to long answer, I'm on. But even before Elon Musk bought it, it just, for me, I have more fun reading it than I do posting and engaging. Well, see, here's my thing. I find it a little bit liberating. Uh, on one hand, it's a pain in the ass and Elon Musk sucks the biggest suck of all sucks. But at the same time, it like frees me up to just say, you know what? I don't give a shit about Twitter. I'm on it all mm. the time. But yeah. the way I post now has uh, far fewer fucks left. <laughs> I just like, I don't care who I'm pissing off. I don't necessarily care when I just categorically block everyone who replies to one of my tweets if I feel like that's necessary. It's like the last day of school. It's like senior slump. It's kind of like or the second half of your senior year of high school, you just stop giving a shit about school. At yeah, least that especially was me. because yeah. what are they going to do? You've already gotten into your college of choice <laughs> or secured right. a job. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And 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 I was going to go somewhere darker. I was like, it's just be like if you found out that, you know, they've just launched a nuke and we've got forty five minutes left. It's, <laughs> it's it's like I I'm just like I don't care. There was this delicious <laughs> moment when it all seemed like maybe it would end the next day. Yeah. And I just wanted to release my drafts. Like, here's what I think about this. <laughs> But, and it was fun and I wanted to go scorched earth and then I yeah. didn't because I knew it's not going to go away. But, but I, I agree. There's just, I felt this way even before Elon Musk for the reason of there is just so many, um, it's not that there's so many people on it. I know it's still a small percentage of humans on earth, but it's so flooded, I guess, that nothing mm -hmm. I'm saying makes any impact um, and I'm not like, oh, boo-hoo. It just doesn't matter. So, yeah. you know, it just, I just felt like, well, this isn't where I go to try out jokes. This isn't where I go to try to convince anyone of a political opinion. It's just kind of a dump. It's a dump. Yeah. You know, it's a thrift store that's not organized. It's like, I'll just go through and see if I <laughs> see anything and, you know, maybe I'll donate something. But otherwise, I just don't take it seriously anymore. And, um, it's too bad, but I think that was happening. I, I Do you remember this? Okay. Yeah. Early Twitter. I'm talking like 2009 to 2011. That's when I started, yeah. Okay. God, 13 years. Have you ever done anything? <laughs> no, that's like, a, I just, that just occurred that to me just as you were saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, 13 like, years on this platform. How is that even <gasps> possible? Yeah. For, yeah. I remember there were so few people on it or maybe something, the algorithm that you could actually see what everyone you followed was doing. And I remember it was a great place to, and I was just recently divorced and I was meeting people. Like mm -hmm. I had some great like blings and stuff from people I met on Twitter that turned out to be good friends or I met friends, but there used to be a thing where you could see people tweeting each other and it seemed like they were flirting. And then if they both stopped tweeting at like 6 p.m. and didn't tweet again until the next morning and both started tweeting at the same time, everyone would say, oh, those two hooked up. That's how small it used to be. You could, you could tell if people hooked up that you knew. And, and you know what? That calls to mind something that wasn't part of Twitter, but used to be a major component of Facebook which I don't think anyone uses anymore. I don't even know if it still exists. But Facebook, they used to have the thing called poking where you would yes. poke someone else. 
and it was always like a hookup move. It was always like a flirtation kind of thing. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I can't even imagine how many extramarital affairs began with poking on Facebook. It's so gross. I yeah. I don't think I ever poked or got poked. I don't remember. Well, I don't course, even remember. Yeah, well, you're probably a lot like me insofar as I probably got poked a lot and had no idea what it meant. I'm just like, I don't know. What is this? Why is it saying that person's poking me? Does that mean, should I read into that? What What's going on? And I, I get neurotic about it, try to overanalyze what the poke is, and I can't figure it out. So I'll well, just- knowing me, yeah. I probably never saw it, and I had 37 notifications, <laughs> you know, and it would probably all be like my dad and my aunt, like, because they don't know what it means. <laughs> oh my God, speaking of your dad, the most important yeah. two questions of the hour. First- did your sister finally name her kitten? And two, why didn't she name the kitten Vinny Tattoo? And we need to talk about Vinny Tattoo. Well, okay, so what Bob is talking about everyone, not, imagine if everyone was like, oh no, we totally know what this is. Um, oh, yeah. My dad got a new iPhone, or not new as in replacing his old one, first iPhone ever, he's 84, mm -hmm. not that technically inclined, you know, he'll fall for one of those cleanup spams that comes through his pc he sells a pc i'm gonna pay 80 dollars to clean out my no dad don't pay that company it's they're not really gonna clean out the viruses and so he had a flip phone and he's transferring the contacts from his flip phone into his iphone so the big fun over thanksgiving and christmas was we'd sit together he'd read his flip phone contacts to me and i'd type them into his iphone and there were so many barb What's her last name? I don't know. Who is this? I don't know. Why are you putting her in your phone? Just put it in. You know, it's I'm like, okay, it's half sort of getting older and half just, I don't know. He, he thinks like if you met someone once at Foxwoods, you you put them in your phone. And he's married to my mom and they're very yeah, happily married. Yeah. It's not a, an affair. It's just they meet people and I don't know, put their names in the phone and the people are probably like, that's okay. You don't have to get my number. But anyway, so He's got this, I'm putting the, the numbers in the phone at Christmas and he goes, Vinny, Vinny Tattoo. And I go, what? <clears throat> I go, who's Vinny Tattoo? He goes, Vinny my friend tattoo. Vinny. <laughs> I go, why do you call him Vinny Tattoo? He goes, he has tattoos. And we know another guy named Vinny who doesn't. So this guy's Vinny Tattoo. I go, what's his last name? I don't know. Like, okay. So I go, Tattoo Vinny. He goes, no. No. Vinny Tattoo. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what people my parents are hanging out with, but I mean, not that having a tattoo is bad. I have two of them, which by the way, my parents were, you know, forgetting I had them. I've had them for years. And I was talking about getting a third. You can't get any, like I'm almost 50 and you're friends with Vinny tattoo. Why can't I? Anyway, so my sister got a kitten, not for Christmas. Just, she gets, she gets cats a lot. Yeah. And we couldn't, we couldn't think of a name and you know, her, she had a, a orange and white cat named Daniel Tiger named after the Mr. Rogers puppet. Oh, right. Who, yeah. 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 Who sadly died very young this year. And so she, she got another look alike, but she didn't want to name him Daniel tiger. So she was just calling him Tiggy tiger. Oh, I was okay. like, that's nice. I was like, that's kind of close, but okay. Yeah. Um, and I said, when I, I said, why don't you name the cat Vinny tattoo? She got really mad. It was like not even. A oh, did you name. seriously no. suggest Vinny tattoo? And yes. she got, Oh my God. See, we do think alike. That is outstanding. Okay, because I, I mean, immediately, as soon as you posted that on Instagram, I was like, oh, you have to name the cat Vinny Tattoo. I mean, no two ways. not? In fact, you know what? I posted that in the comments under that Instagram post. 
like seconds later, I deleted it. And you know why? Because I was like, okay, I'm sure Jen at this point is sick and tired of me referencing Vinny Tattoo. Because I was no, I was Bob. sending you texts no. and I was sending you DMs. I was like, Vinny Tattoo is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And... <laughs> I love talking about it. I'm you could never reference it enough, but yeah, maybe it would have made my sister angry. She got no, like this is serious. We're trying to think of a name. So it doesn't have a name. So she's just calling right. it. She's at this point just calling it Daniel Tiger. So I'm yeah. like, it's okay. You're just replacing your cat and pretending it's the other one. But yeah, these are the things I was talking about it today. I recorded an episode of my podcast today, and I was talking about how when my family gets together, it's just the five of us, and we sit in my sister's house for four days. We don't go anywhere. We just cook yeah. and make fires and eat and talk. And someone was like, that's not normal. That's like a cult. Like, why don't you guys do anything else? And I'm like, I don't know. Everyone's old and we're tired. And I don't know what, what are we supposed to do? And, and, and I'm like, but it's true. I can't even go in the other room. It's like, where's Jen? You know, like you can't leave for 10 minutes, but yeah. so these are the kinds of things we do. We put contacts in a phone and try to name a kitten. And to me, that's totally normal. And then when people are like, what'd you do over Christmas? I'm like, I just put name, first names of people in an iPhone for my dad and they laugh. And I'm like, no, that's literally what I did on Christmas. Is We're trying to, trying to figure out who Bill question mark was, you know, just things like that. Yeah. My dad's friends with three guys named Bill. My dad will put everything in his phone. He's like, Roto Rooter, 1-800. I'm like, do you have to put, you don't have to put this in your phone, but there's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff like that in his phone, but I think it makes him feel like he has a lot of contacts, you know, it makes him feel important. It just makes me wish for like, a buddy travel movie where it's just you and your dad in a car driving across country. If mm, I don't know about that, if we could maybe hire an actor to play my dad, you're sentencing me to a lot. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, yeah, there, there, we have driven in a car um, a few times together, but you know, it, it would be mainly him telling me I'm going too fast or going too slow or rolling through a stop sign. I, it, it but it would be technically, technically cute. I did drive my parents to San Diego from Los Angeles last year. That was fun. Oh, that was. And I'm not even being sarcastic. It was just nothing exciting happened. And that's what, like a 90 minute, two hour drive, something like that? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow. you know, or Palm Springs. I don't remember what we were doing. It, it's all a blur, but I like to make mixes of music that my parents would like. And I play it loud and they're like, this is too loud. And I turn it down and like, we can't hear it. So, you know, that's usually, that's what the movie you'd be getting is just me adjusting the volume. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what we do at Christmas time. When I go to my mom's house, we all sit in a circle in the living room. And then for about six hours, my mom yells at her Amazon device to turn the volume down. <laughs> Whatever it is. I, I, what is it? Siri? No. What is the character that you talk to? Alexa. On the, Alexa. Yeah. Alexa, volume down 5%. Alexa, too loud. Turn it. Why doesn't Alexa <laughs> understand me? You know, I'm not mean to sound you know, like an old, and I'm assuming your mom's older than me, but <laughs> yes, so yes. I guess it's not an old person thing. It's just a type of person. But I, I to this day will never find uh, Alexa or Siri convenient. I don't use either of them. And in the time that you're yelling, turn it up, turn it down, Alexa, you could just turn it up or turn it down. Well, speaking of uh, getting older, congratulations on the success of OK Gen X. Um, we haven't talked on the show since that yeah. comedy album came out. And it is immense. It is hilarious. And it made a bunch of top 10 lists, didn't it? It did. I mean, listen, thank you. You know, I was, I'm not even downplaying it. But, you know, I was going like, I post that stuff for people that aren't, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like, 
I just post it as a, as a creative way to get people to buy it because so far my record label recouped their money, but I didn't, well, I didn't pay anything to do it, but so far they recouped what it cost them to come out and make it. And then I haven't made a profit yet. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so the, because I filter everything through the lens of, of that kind of measure of success instead mm -hmm. of how do I feel about it? Was it funny? I'm like, that sounds successful. But I actually will say I didn't put it out to make money. I mean, it would be great if it did, but I think more people stream than buy and streaming, you know, it's like, what, three cents on the, if that, I think it's like yeah. a, a half a cent to play. But anyway, a half a cent if they play one track. But my bottom line is I actually think it's okay. And, and I, and for me, that's like, I'm bragging here. If I'm like, I think it's okay. You know, I was too close to it for a long time. It, it was heavily edited in the sense that I did four shows. I did a lot, you know, I'm chatty, talked off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I had to edit it, you give the editor my notes about, we, we Frankenstein it, right? So it's like the setup from Thursday night with the way I delivered the punchline from Friday night really. But that's, uh, I mean, that's a standard thing. I mean, that happens with every comedy album, right? I think it does. I mean, I think a lot, I think more people are a little more precise in their wording than me, but, um, you know, it's, I say that not to say like I'm cheating or anything, but just because I spent so much time with it, I had to listen to it over and over and this bit and that bit that I just started to zone out and think this is awful. This isn't even funny. And then I kind of just put it on the other day just for a minute, just to see what I thought of it. Cause I couldn't really remember yeah you know I, I remember the basic gist of the bits but i don't really remember how i say them because the middle part is i was a little improvised and i was like hey this isn't bad <laughs> that, that's again the most i'll compliment myself but you know yeah, i will well, say that's yeah completely understating it because it is genius cigarettes and matches yeah. is still something that i listen to to this day that particular track i don't know if it's track three or four on the album but uh it's definitely my favorite of the batch clearly because i used to smoke and so yeah. it's for me as a gen x guy who used to smoke in malls and movie theaters <laughs> uh it's it's completely relatable and fucking hysterical because, well, you know, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say culture has changed so much in a very short period of time. At least it seems like a short period of time. It's probably much longer than I'm thinking now. But yeah. I guess it was a long time ago, but when things change, they do seem to happen overnight. Like one mm -hmm. day it's just banned everywhere and you're like, oh. You yeah. Know? And I, here's the thing, and I, I'm going to say something that's kind of ripping on other comedians, but I say it because I'm experiencing it too. Once you get to a certain level of success and by success, I mean, not just, oh, you're a millionaire with a, a mansion on the beach, but I mean, where you are touring for a living, whether it's a small comedy club and you're just making ends meet or whether it's a giant theater, either way, if your year is spent traveling from one place to another, perfecting that routine you're working on, you're really not living, you know? Yeah. Um, the last two years that I was touring a lot, I was at a writing job and then the other half of the year touring as I easiest way to put it. I hate saying that word. I feel cringy if any musicians are listening because I'm not actually leaving home for four months and not coming back, you know, but whatever. So, but going to, you know, like 30 cities a year doing your thing, your life becomes the plane, the hotel and the bits you do Ugh, that night. There's, there's yeah. not a lot of life, you know, you're maybe mm -hmm. not dating or if you're in a relationship, you're barely with your person. You're not seeing your family. You, you could talk about the world or politics, but if that's not your app, if that's not what you do, then you probably won't. And those jokes don't last anymore beyond a day or two. So you really run out of things to talk about. And I noticed when I was on tour in 2019, and it was one of the big reasons that 
I've stopped doing stand-up is not like, oh, I quit or I retired. It's more just, I'm out of ideas. I'm not putting myself down. I may get back out there in a few years, maybe not touring, but with more life lived, I'll have more to report on. But for now, um, I don't. And I was dipping into the nostalgia bucket, which a lot of comedians do at a certain age mm-hmm. and at a certain level of they've been on the road too long. And so my there's a part of me that's embarrassed that this album is dipping into the nostalgia, but I'm proud of the way I did it because it is not remember this. And then I just list things and everyone claps because right. they know what a Rubik's cube is. And it's not kids today are too soft. It's, it's truly like I'm baffled that people think I'm old. Cause I feel so young. Mm-hmm. The only thing I make fun of younger people about is that they just don't seem to understand what ages are like 50 is 80 to them. And then I just talk about what it was like if from the point of view of, I want everyone to know who generation X was, we're not, you know, we're the sandwich generation. We're not settled and rich and we don't have to worry about the future or take part in the world we're 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 just as vulnerable as younger people in terms of where's the money coming from next year with the sandwich generation you might mm-hmm. have kids and take care of your parents all the, i tried to honor generation x while saying i support all generations but i feel like we've been misunderstood here's my pitch for you know how this is what we grew up with but it's not shitting on younger people because it's just not how I feel, but you know, I I see so many comedians now that's just what they're doing. And it's like, dude, you're just afraid of being irrelevant. You're just afraid of dying. Just be honest and say it from that point of view, which is what I tried to come from, which is like, I'm becoming irrelevant. I will die sooner than later. Wow. You know, just taking that in instead of shitting on young people. Right. And I've been noticing, too, that you've kind of been documenting instances just from your everyday life of it's escapes me what you're calling it, but it's either casual ageism or passive ageism where someone will obviously make some remark about, wow, you look young for your age. (laughs) It just completely rubs you the wrong way. And that is that something relatively new that you've been noticing or is that something that uh, has been an ongoing thing? It's relatively new in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I notice it when, and it happens all of the time. I was telling a friend of mine who's 10 years younger than me about this. Um, I said, he doesn't think, he, he and I have different opinions about age differences in friendships and in dating and stuff. And, you know, I'll tell him, you know, 30 is pretty young. 30 is pretty young for me to consider. Um, just talking to someone who's 30, there's going to be some ageism. And he's like, I don't, no, no, no. People who are 30 feel like they're old. I'm like, Yeah, that's different than them knowing what if they think they're old at 30, then there's going to be ageism. So we were were at this um, party once and we were talking to someone we know that's 30. And, you know, I'm basically two years shy of being her mom's age because her mom when she was 20. And she's like, oh, my God. It was like she was seeing uh, like a. I don't know what, like the guy who saw the double rainbow. Remember that guy? He's like, oh my God. Oh, like, yeah, he just yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it was like, she just, and I was like, what did you expect me to look like? I mean, you know, I, like maybe her mom looks terrible. I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. Like people <laughs> say weird things or they'll say, um, they don't know what age I am. And they'll start saying, uh, I don't know. Like the best example is when I go to doctor's appointments and, and you're at the front desk and they're taking all your info. And I, this happened to me two weeks ago. I gave my date of birth at this podiatrist I went to and see podiatrist. You don't have one of those when you're in your twenties, right? <laughs> Unless you're a gymnast. And I was like, 
1974. And she goes, okay, 19. She goes, did you say 84? I said, um, 74. She goes, wait, 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 1974. And she hadn't really looked up yet. And I could see her brain going, how could someone be in front of me who was born in 74? They should be in a nursing home, you know? And and she looked up and went, oh my God. Literally as if again, as if I was, I don't know, like they're excited, they're confused. She goes, you look great. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's not, I'm not so old that I should be uh, praised like this. I go, 48's really not old in, in that sense of what you look like. And mm-hmm. and she's and she's like, I don't know. She's like, I think you look 25. And I always say, I looked like shit when I was 25. That's an insult. <laughs> so, I can so relate to that. It, yeah. it's, it, it's bizarre because it's either ageism or they just can't do math. So they hear 1974 and they go, oh, so you must be 73? Is that how that works? Is that yeah, how old you are? You're 74 because you're born in 74. I mean, <laughs> I think it's casual it. ages because they they go, wow, well, you look yeah. 25. And I'm like, no, no, this is... Now, maybe to some people that's a compliment. I've had a lot of pushback. And I think it's fine if you like want to look 25 or want people to say that. But I just think that if young people are going to be so progressive as they are and... And, you know, sometimes they do get a little policing of speech, which is great. Um, You got to add that one into it. You Mm -hmm. know, it's got to be as important as all the other stuff that we're trying to be more sensitive about, because what you're saying is, no, 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 your age is not acceptable. So it's good you don't look it. And I think they don't realize how deeply that scares me, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's it you don't even have to be. Uh, someone who uses their face for a living to experience ageism based on people at the office don't want to look at you. I've heard it in in writers' rooms in the WGA, the union I'm in, Writers Guild. Forty and over is considered a minority group, like Black or LGBTQ or something like that, because forty plus is discriminated against in writers' rooms because people huh. just don't want to look at an older face. I'm not even joking. Wow! Holy shit! You I know, had no idea. Yeah. So that was recent. And I've worked with people, young people that are, again, very progressive, who say things like, oh, if I'm in my late 40s and still working, I'm going to kill myself. And I'm like, hey, guys, like I'm in my late 40s, you know, and they're like, oh, well, you look young. And I go, what does that have to do? Like, it's just weird. It always comes back to looks again, whatever. So I'm trying to spread spread those words um, that. But I also think I've been noticing this. It seems to be a trend that I'm um on top of somehow is that there's a lot of uh, memes going around about how Gen X doesn't age and we're, we're looking better than, than younger people. And I, Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. That's an interesting observation. I hadn't heard that. Uh, You got to go to Instagram stories or just search some reels. You'll see it. But as I always say, with the exception of most straight male Gen Xers who look like they have liver failure and stage 46 (laughs) alcoholism and they're proud boys. Like we got a lot of bad people in Gen X. Let me, let me not, shy away from that yes indeed but you're the you know you're the exception of course looking healthy (laughs) thank you yes my three hairs on the top of my head uh thank you for that that's all right it's better than a full head of hair and starting a hate group (laughs) okay i'll accept that that's perfect yeah Today's show is brought to you by the After Party Podcast on our Patreon page. Every Friday, Kimberly Johnson and I record a fourth Bob Seska Show episode for the week. 
but this one's totally different from the usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows. The Friday After Party podcast is loaded with all the politics you want, while also including uncensored, completely obscene conversations about sex, drugs, movies, television, our personal lives, all the crap we can't get away with on the free show. So please help support this podcast by subscribing to our Friday After Party for just $10 per month. And bonus, you're also going to get two Shadow Docket shows every week included in that level of support. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And we thank you. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska! You know, over the break, uh, Kimberly and I landed on the new Sebastian Maniscalco stand-up on Netflix. I still don't oh, know. Oh, what a disappointment. And, of course, we had to turn it off within, like, 10 minutes because he started yeah. out just relentlessly bashing his wife. First bit, first big hunk of the, the piece was bashing his wife for being an alleged moron. He just couldn't <laughs> shut up about how dumb his wife was. Yeah. Uh, then he segued into talking about how his kid goes to a school with another kid who identifies as a lion, which, mm-hmm. of course, is an embellished version of Joe Rogan's litter box lie. I don't remember yeah. that, but he compl- flat out lied about his friend's wife teaching a class. This is Rogan. His friend's wife teaching yeah. a class where there's a kid who identifies as a cat, and so therefore they need a litter box in the classroom. Entirely made up. Entirely bogus. And Tulsi Gabbard was sitting right there going, uh-huh, yeah, that's amazing, Joe. But anyway, so Sebastian also whined about how cancel culture mm-hmm. is something that's come along in the last five or six years, which is also yeah. not True. I mean, I'm not necessarily expecting, you know, full 100 percent veracity and truth from stand up comedy. It's not necessarily what I'm saying, but the basis for these bits were so full of shit. No reflection on truth whatsoever. So, I mean, here's the question, and this is one I've been dying to ask you on the show. I don't don't think we've talked about this in in past Mm. podcasts, but. Why are so many comics obsessed with bullying trans people? Well, I have many thoughts, and I will eventually go back to my thoughts on Sebastian because I think I can give almost like a oh yeah yeah well, let's let's talk about that first okay because yeah. but I also think when we're talking about Chappelle, it's a very simple answer that nobody has landed on. He's a follower and devotee of Farrakhan, who is um, cultish. I'm not saying that Muslims are cultish. I'm saying he he is the leader of um, 
occult sec- section, yeah. which hates um, women, trans, gay, um, and says things like they're raping, the Jews are raping people in Hollywood on the casting couch and turning everyone gay. Like he, Farrakhan literally says that you can Google it. People can look at his Twitter. And he grabbed onto Chappelle when Chappelle was really vulnerable a long time ago when he left Comedy Central. And he is completely, I believe, brainwashed and being told that these people um, are getting more rights quicker um, than anyone ever did in the civil rights movement. I believe it's it's really deeper than um, any kind of phobia. It's, it's this belief that... Th- there's this more acceptance of progress in other areas. And, and, and so I that's see. like a whole thing. And people get really uncomfortable, not you, but like people, when I talk about it, can get uncomfortable because they feel like maybe they're going to be racist if they say anything bad about Farrakhan because they, you know, they've maybe heard the name, but don't really know. But I've known this for a long time. This is just kind of, I'm obsessed with cults and cult figures. I've just always kind of known he's yeah. always said bad stuff about Jews and, um, and gay people in trans. And so I, that's for me what I think Chappelle is doing. I think people like Ricky Gervais, it's, you know, whoever started it, um, he'll follow. Like, I think he followed Chappelle's lead. And with Ricky, then the reasons get watered down to it's naughty. And don't tell me what to say. And he just truly doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it just, and, that the, and then at the, the other level with certain men, I think it's a fear. Right. It's a fear of what if I see a woman and it turns out that they have different, um, you know, genitals than I thought a Mm -hmm. assigned woman at birth would have. So I think it's really to me, it always comes down to men's fear that they're gay. Like that's the baseline. And then as we get higher up into like intellectual thought, it's and then also some people are following a cult leader. (laughs) You know, I've always thought the mandate was more about uh, joking about people in power. And when you start to create an entire hunk of your act around just beating the shit out of a group of people who are already in real life getting the shit kicked out of them on a regular basis, not only emotionally, but physically to the point where many of them are committing suicide, it gets down to transphobia disguised as free speech, right? I get to say whatever I want because I'm the person holding the microphone and Mm -hmm. therefore I have free speech. But guess what? You, as an audience member who might be outraged by something I said, you don't get free speech. It's just mine, which completely undermines the whole notion of freedom of speech. Well, I also think, too, there's, you know, before the Internet, if you're a comedian who had maybe an offensive act and you did your act, um, maybe some people that were offended or just thought it was lame and hacky and punching down wouldn't wouldn't say anything and they wouldn't even moan they just not mm-hmm. laugh you have no idea that yeah. people think that and you go home and that's it mm-hmm. um now people are checking the internet what did they say about me after i did this and then it gets written about and then they feel attacked and it's like you know um no the, everyone thought this probably you just get to see it now you know yeah. and but i also think that you know words matter right so of course with all of the um you know shooting up of lgbtq clubs and drag queen story hour you right. know getting bomb threats it's it's not because of anything but words that made people believe all these things you know they were told lies and they're going crazy with their guns and so comedians love to talk about how they're the modern day philosophers and i heard someone say you know there's actually modern day philosophers so it's not like that's not a job anymore <laughs> like we don't need you right. to be that you just be comedians thanks yeah. um yeah. i don't know who said that is so funny 
but um, you know, it's like we're modern day philosophers. We say this, and it's like, oh, so words do matter. And then they'll argue, it's just jokes. I'm like, well, which is it? Are you the modern day philosophers, or is it just jokes? Because you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You can't act like your words are impacting the world in a good way, and then when someone says actually it's leading to hate crimes, um, or it's just part of the culture that thinks it's okay to commit hate crimes, um, suddenly it's it's just jokes. And so that's the biggest cognitive dissonance that I've seen in the comedian community. Now, again, I speak from the outside. The comedians have behaved this way. They've never been people I've been friends with. It, it reminds me going back to high school of like punk rockers versus everyone else. You know, right. um, it's just these people aren't cool and they never have been. And um, but they're hugely popular, like, you know, a lot of things that aren't cool. But but taking it back to Sebastian, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of comedy, really. I, I was when I started out, which was what I was 20. So mm -hmm. almost 30 years ago. Yeah. I actually don't sit around. I sat around watching comedy specials before I ever did it or met other comedians and maybe started to do it less, watch comedy less and less as I did it for a living. And I would only see comedy if I was doing a show and saw other comedians, but I never sought it out and watched people's specials. I'm not really a huge fan of it in a weird way. And yet, um, and I think people would assume just people who know me would assume maybe if I do like a lot of stand up, that it's probably this, you know, weird alternative comedy and political and no. And so a friend of mine showed me Sebastian's material years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I fucking love this guy. He's yeah. so funny. What a goddamn delight. What I love about him. And I don't mean this as a put down, but it's, it's he's so personality driven, which mm -hmm. I think is totally valid. You know, some people are, very snobby about it's got to be hard jokes that you could read on a page. Well, as someone like myself, I don't really always write hard jokes that you could see on the page. It's got to be attitude or personality driven. Yeah, yeah. I love how physically is for no reason. He's like doing a split when he's talking about how aggravated he is that people are bringing <laughs> their own coolers to Vegas. Yeah. It's, it's the, you know, and it's like, he's got this neurosis that's just delightful and, and, you know, I loved when he used to talk about the differences with his wife, like he's going to a Seder and he's like, where's the food? And just so neat, just so these things with this voice. And, you know, a lot of comedians are like, that's hacky. I'm like, I think it's great. So anyway, I just pass around clips of him with friends. I've seen all of his stuff. I just think he's a delight. And I thought he had this kind of like, I don't know who he voted for. I don't know if he even votes. I don't know anything except I really respect the, this guy because he's managed to be like hugely famous without really anyone really knowing if th that makes sense. Like he mm -hmm. gets a lot of like the Italian um, families out to see him, you know, um, he's not hanging out at like the comedy cellar or the comedy store trying to be in a pack with other comedians. Yeah. He's not owned by Joe Rogan. He's, he's his own thing. Right. And he just does the work and I love it. So, and I also think, you know, he talks about grooming himself. I don't mean groomers guys. <laughs> I mean, doing your hair, but like, you can tell you, like he gets a manicure, he does his hair, like that kind of like that wonderful combination of Italian machismo that, that tip dips into like almost like femininity in a way, you know? Yeah. So color me surprised when I saw his recent special. Cause I was mm -hmm. like, wait a minute. Not that I thought he was like, I don't know, like Mr. Uber liberal that I just thought he was going to talk about his life. And I think, yeah. On yeah. a baseline, he's someone that suffered from so successful, doesn't have much to talk about. He's been too busy touring. And then there was the pandemic. So 
a lot of people were saying, I was just reading online things like he did that bit before, but there was a disdain for his wife that was there that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. And there's something like angry in his delivery and almost sleepy. Like I literally said, I was texting a friend watching it going, does he have long COVID? Like he just, <laughs> he was off, you know? Yeah. And and what I really, there were premises I loved. He had a premise about, he said, me and my wife are equally dumb. I thought that was so funny. I could watch a whole hour in a loving way of I'm dumb, but I don't have the wife that's like, honey, always teach, like, we're both dumb. We don't know what yeah, just happened. Yeah. I think that, oh, but he didn't go with that. So it was weird. Like, and he was swearing, which he normally doesn't do. So it just was off. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this is a guy who's angry about something. And, and as a comedian, I can relate. I have an album that I took off the market because I was screaming and angry during it and unhappy in my marriage. And I just, like, just who I was was spilling out on stage. I couldn't help it. And so we go through that. And maybe he's going through something where he sees society changing and he's scared. I don't know. But long story short, I there's a way to do that lion bit that doesn't have to be code word identifying, you know? That's right. Like, because I know what he was saying. He was like, I don't care, but it's the parents who take it so seriously. Okay. You could do that bit by saying parents are too indulgent of their kids. You know, um, this kid at school wants to dress up like a lion every day and his mother lets him because, you know, she doesn't want to, um, it could have nothing to do with like the dog whistle of, of, um, trans. It could be like about, Mm-hmm. You know, just letting your kid do whatever they want because you don't want to discipline them because, you know, it might hurt their feelings. Like he could go there with it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it would have been just as funny. In fact, probably funnier because I'm not like, what is he really trying to say? And then there was a bit about. um, Yeah, like you can't say anything anymore. It's like, but you you've never said anything <laughs> that people would be upset about. Yeah, I so, can't. I can't joke about band aids and swimming pools anymore. What the fuck is going on with the society? I know everyone in Vegas is an animal. It's like, <laughs> wait, but you were, but were you gonna come out and do? And he's like, you know, that whole thing that people do when they pretend that someone in the audience is against them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but that's not happening. And you, you're funnier than this. But I was like, have I been just fooled? Maybe he wasn't. But maybe that's all he has. And I swear to God, on my life, like. If I were to tour right now, people would be like, oh, she's not that funny. I, I'm not putting myself down. Just sometimes you're done for a little while. And I think he did one special too many. And he's like very probably in a bubble, insulated, hearing stories from other comedians and I, not thinking it through. I don't know. It was just like the whole thing was like, this isn't you. Not that I know him at all. I've never even met him. But mm-hmm. it, it seems like, I swear to God, I... I I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if in six months we hear he was on pills. Like something's weird, but I do yeah. think it's, it's a bummer when other people do it. And also let's just say that I had no problem with that kind of comedy. And I, and I love, Oh, we can't say anything anymore. Comedy. Mm-hmm. Too many people have done it. Move on. You sound like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, if Netflix gave me another special, I would be like, okay, let me watch every special and make sure I don't say one fucking word that's like anyone else because, you know, I've got to earn this. I got, I, it's just so lazy to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what shocks me is that to me, the hardest part about any kind of success is that you have to keep giving people something that raises the bar on the last thing you did. And so many people are doing the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I felt like I couldn't compete with my old material. So I was like, I'm going to step aside for a minute. And it's just fascinating to watch people that that do the opposite. And and weirdly, audiences that stay with it. 
Yeah, you know, Mark Marin did a whole podcast. Uh, I want to say it was earlier this year. I could be mistaken because the last three years just all bleed in together. Yeah, I think it was actually like a lot longer ago because I know the one you're talking about. It may have been well over a year ago, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was called Cancelled Culture. And he had on this guy, uh, Cliff Nesteroff, and they were and, and they were taking an approach to cancel culture in a very similar way that you and I would. You know, yeah. saying that it doesn't really exist. It's been something that's around forever and ever and ever. It's not something, unlike what Sebastian Maniscalco said, it's not something that's of the last five or six years. I mean, for God's yeah. sake, they made the case that Frederick Douglass in 1849 bashed blackface comedians. God, it, wouldn't you love to see that speech? <laughs> I know. I mean, in 1962, extreme right-wingers targeted Bob Newhart. I mean, this is not wow. something that's exclusive to the last, you know, half a decade or w whatever. But um, the thing that they were saying, the thing that uh, uh, Marin in, in particular was saying was that a lot of these guys... Maybe they don't realize it, but I mean, it's so bizarre for a, a stand-up comic to actually uh, parrot something that comes from like the far-right power structure, which is kind of what this, oh, fuck, I can't tell rape jokes and I can't say the N-word anymore. Why are you trying to tell me what I can and can't say? That whole approach is basically like a right-wing talking point. At least that was uh, what Mark Maron's point. And it's actually, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. It, it just seems incongruous with everything that we had, we've come to know as being a part of stand-up comedy. It's always about you know, holding power accountable, not copying what they're saying, the propaganda that they're delivering on a regular basis. So, And it's funny, too, because I don't think anyone, I mean, I don't know, some people might actually think, okay, I have, I have to punch up who's in power. But I think, honestly, just to give comics even less credit for their intellect, it's always been <laughs> about just making fun of like who you think is just so uncool. Yeah. And, you know, it usually is the people in power. Like, you know, you're making fun of the president or you're making fun of uh, the most popular, whatever, singer of the time, you know, Bill mm -hmm. Hicks used to make fun of Billy Ray Cyrus. And, you know, George Carlin's making fun of people that are anti-abortion. And he does make really good political points in that special. But the heart of it is like, why are people who are against abortion people you wouldn't want to fuck anyway? To me, that's the heart of it is like, I'm just making fun of deeply uncool people and their yeah. deeply uncool opinions, right? And so like, it's weird that like on just the level of do you want to be cool, um, that Chappelle and who was cool in my opinion at one time, like Chappelle and Rogan, all these people are aligning themselves with the most deeply uncool people. Like just you're, you're not counterculture anymore. Like not that we should like actively try to be, but just, I thought it was a natural aspect of some people. And I'm like, Oh, Whoa. Like were mm -hmm. they just, did they change? Were they waiting for the moment? The other thing is I listened to that episode of Mark Maron's podcast and I actually was, I didn't know that this whole, like, you can't say anything anymore was, had gone around before. I don't know why I didn't. Oh yeah. But thinking about it, it's like, oh, right. Once again, we have to take into effect, into account that we have the internet. And so in that sense, like, like, I, of course I've noticed that, as I become part of a generation that isn't the youngest generation on the planet anymore, of course mm -hmm. I've noticed changes. And of course me and comedians backstage privately will be like, God, this crowd's so sensitive. But I don't mean because they won't let me say horrible things. I just mean I might say a dark joke about my grandmother and whereas 10 years ago it would have gotten a laugh 
the the nicer Gen Zs are like, oh, and I'm like, no, no, you know, like there's a there's there's generational things where there's a lack of sometimes understanding of sarcasm or dark humor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so, of course, privately, we all say, oh, God, it's different now. We and, and not just now, but we've said it for the past 15 years. But um, I don't say that in public because I don't want it to be misconstrued. Right. Yeah. 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 And. And so I think that like, I'm not saying that it's not frustrating and that things don't change and that you kind of go, God, I know I'm right about this. Would you guys relax? It's a joke about my grandmother dead on the floor, but it's funny. Trust me, we got to laugh. We got to laugh. We got to laugh about these things, you know? And if someone said, well, in our generation, we don't disrespect the dead like that. I'd be like, you're completely wrong about how to handle life. But I feel like that's (laughs) different than saying, let me just say horrible slurs. Mm -hmm. What's up with this generation? Because every generation has people that are, thinking that that's uncool to do and low key offended by it. But anyway, my whole point is that like, I just think stuff you used to say privately to other comedians and then move on with your life has become this grievance culture. I'm going to do an interview yes. or tweet about it. Right. And that's how you get a following though. And Trump showed them the way, like you mm-hmm. get people to feel aggrieved for you. I mean, if I started complaining about, how I'm being targeted by something like I could probably get 10,000 podcast listeners overnight, you know? Yeah. But it, but I, I'm, people don't feel the need to listen to my podcast cause I'm not selling them more agita that they can get addicted to and to where they feel like they're victims and forgotten in society. I'm not doing that, but mm-hmm. I could, right. I, I could feel like poison, but. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot, Jen is, um, and I haven't pinpointed what the central problem is, and this is the ongoing struggle. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this phenomenon I've been referring to as the American nervous breakdown. I feel yeah. like you know, maybe Sebastian is part of it because you know Sebastian was all about, going back to that real quick, is all about just exasperation at what was happening around him. Like I mentioned the yeah. band-aid in the swimming pool and all the bros coming in and high-fiving. And meanwhile, Sebastian's trying to get the, the, the band-aid that's floating in the swimming pool to <laughs> go away from him, but it, it keeps getting closer. Shit like that. It's just like, why, why is that happening? And then suddenly turning into uh, this other person in his most yeah. recent stand-up special, where there's still a little bit of Sebastian in there, but he changed so much and then went into that realm of grievance culture and all the rest of it. But I've been seeing that all over the place. I, we see that with people that uh, we've known for many, many years, relatives, friends, who yes. just, uh, they seem to be caught in some sort of undertow of anger and awfulness and resentment. And I love the expression American nervous breakdown. That is, that is kind of what I was trying to get at with Sebastian when I was saying something he looks like he's going through something. Yeah. And it may not even be personal, you know? Right. It may just be he's angry because he's middle-aged now. I mean, he's the same age as me, which is middle-aged. But it's like, because maybe, I don't know. Like, for me, I, I'm i glad I had other issues like ADHD, anxiety, so that I could, or fear of flying, so I could work on something and kind of get these tools that help me as I get into middle age. And, and like I said, I do sometimes feel irrelevant or, you know, like, everyone never knew I even existed as a comedian. Like if we're just talking about career or I just feel like, Oh my God, I'm finally getting my shit together mm-hmm. mentally. And I'm going to be 60 in 12 years. What the fuck? You know, it's <laughs> really hard to deal with. Right. And, and we don't, um, so I just feel like, and we don't have the same, uh, you know, financial 
boon as like the boomers did and we're not the greatest generation that mm -hmm. saved everyone from the Nazis. So I, I just wonder if part of the American nervous breakdown is people don't have the tools to deal with those fleeting thoughts of like, I feel irrelevant. Like if everyone, yeah. I don't know, read a Buddhist book or meditated, I don't know. But I think your question of is how bad does it get that? I don't know. I've got to assume just because I'm not that creative that it'll die off because it's not sustainable. Like it's like sleeping four hours a night for a year. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it literally will kill people. Yeah. But sometimes I think, you know, when people go, well, there could be a civil war. I go, well, then let's have one. Because at this point, I swear to God, sometimes I think it's just like we got to have violence. And I, I know that sounds crazy. And again, this is like me and you at a bar drinking. I'm, oh, sure. I'm aware I'm on a podcast, but I'm not calling for it. I'm just saying like sometimes I just don't know what else to think. Yeah. Like sometimes I don't know what else the solution would be that I go, I don't know, what if everyone just – shot each other in the streets and and whoever was left more of them alive they they take over i mean i would hope our side wins but it's just one of those things where i'm like i don't know maybe it has to get to that to to reach because i feel like all we're doing constantly is trying to keep the lid on a pot of boiling water that's like and the lid is you know jumping up and down and the steam is coming out it's like maybe <laughs> we just like open the pot and dump hot water on each other i don't know i yeah, just don't yeah. when i call for violence i'm calling for our side to win it of course um, but I don't want to do violence. So that's the thing is like, that's not how I normally think, but I just think when things got to a boiling point with the civil war, it turned into a war, but it wasn't, but it was orchestrated by the government. It wasn't just like people mm -hmm. in the streets. So we're not going to have, I don't know. I don't know. This is like, I'm where you are. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just saying yeah. crazy things, you know, that taken out of context will, um, probably upset people. <laughs> well, no, but I, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about because I had the same concept in my head for many, many yeah. years. And then we got to COVID and, you know, in 2020 alone, the last year of the Trump presidency, 400,000 Americans died in one, in less than one year Yeah, over a preventable disease. Yeah. And that didn't do it. We're now at how is what, there I, still so much traffic and people at the airport? How? When will I notice how many I, people died? I'm just asking. I, I know. I know, but I thought maybe yeah. that would shock people out of this self-induced or maybe cultural torpor that we're no. caught in right now. And that didn't do it. So I was thinking, no. well, you know, maybe some sort of shocking, like uh, Kimberly always compares it to, you know, someone grabbing a hot stove or putting their hand yeah. on a hot frying pan on the stove and then recoiling going, ow, I shouldn't do that again. But of course <laughs> <laughs> that didn't, it didn't do it. It didn't do it. And so no. I don't know what will a nuclear conflict. I don't know what would cause people to go, Hey, hey, you know what? We got to stop fucking around here and uh, maybe well, try to reacquaint probably. ourselves with reality. Yeah. N knowing how, you know, I feel like the first like, 40 years of my life were pretty good in, in terms of like just being an American, um, you know, with all of its problems and, you know, societal ills and mm -hmm. people less fortunate than me suffering. But uh, the last like 10 years have been like, what the fuck? This is Armageddon. Like we're in yeah. Armageddon. And I, so with the new um, way my brain has broken, I would say, yes, it will take a nuclear conflict. And the minute people go, yeah, you know what? We got to stop fucking around. That's when the bomb is three feet above them in the air and they get nuked and that's, that's right. their last thought. And it's too late. Like, yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but I do think too that um, 
I don't know. I, I sometimes I just go, maybe it's just that we see it because of the internet and things get stoked because mm -hmm. of the internet. Maybe people would not be going to 11 in their heart and soul with how, I don't know, solipsistic they are mm. if they didn't have something stoking it. Because I feel like if you've ever had depression or known someone with it, you can't shake anyone out of it by asking them to look at the bigger world. Like they can only look at their, their world is very small. And I'm, I'm not saying this in a critical way. Their world is very small. It doesn't matter what's going on outside of them. They, they, and you know, they're despondent. And so maybe it's that even if people aren't like actually depressed and despondent, like maybe it's that whatever's wrong with their brains. Now their world has gotten so small. It makes no difference. If you say 400,000 people died, they don't, there's no connection to yeah. society. Yeah. They don't care. One last break. Back with more Jen Kirkman right after these words. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska plays more music. Well, the most important thing, and I think the thing that we can all look forward to now is, uh, and just like that, season two, which uh. is happening this year, the, re <laughs> the return of Aiden. Aiden is returning to the Sex and the City universe, which is exciting, right? <laughs> Were you, were, I, you know, I never liked him as a boyfriend for her, but I, I, I'm, I'm glad the character's back. Yeah, well, you know, he was chastising her for smoking on the first date. It's like, honey, yeah. if you're together longer, you can. But right <laughs> yeah. now you're being a little controlling. And, and he was ridiculous about Carrie smoking. And then the first thing he does when he reappears on the show is he's got a big cigar hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> I like, I smack it out of his mouth and say, you goddamn hypocrite. I can't believe all the shit you gave me over smoking cigarettes. And now you're smoking a fucking cigar. Good luck with the mouth cancer, Aiden. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's it's how funny too because I would get. <laughs> <laughs> you're like calling Michael Patrick King. There better be, in, in just like that season two, a plot line where he has mouth cancer. <laughs> and it goes back to the one night he smoked a cigar. <laughs> How great would it be if he did get mouth cancer from literally one night with a cigar, just one, that one time? But, you know, it's funny, too, because back then you could smoke indoors everywhere. And so sure. the fact that he's worried that she smells like smoke, it's like she was going to smell like smoke anyway because you guys are just in a restaurant. So <laughs> That's right. Or, and then, you know, or on an airplane. And then she smoked a cigarette that she dropped into the gutter in New York City. I've done that. Put it back. Oh, did you? Oh, my God. That's a brave move. I don't think I've done it, certainly not in New York City, but I, I may have done it like on my college campus or something like that at some There's point. There's no difference in dirt. There's yeah, no that's, difference. Okay, true. I'm being completely irrational about that. Yeah, one ground is better than the other. I mean, I know what you mean. It would seem, you know, there's maybe less rat feces. Well, maybe the on your urine campus. content, yeah. The, the urine, the rats. You know, you know, you're right. I mean, I just figure once it drops, 
I mean, if you're going to worry about my cigarette that's killing me dropped on the mm-hmm. ground, I mean, do you know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. Like one, <laughs> one thing is gross. The other thing that think about what you're doing, but I know I just, but that's, you know, that's the desperation of the addiction is yeah. I don't care that it fell on the ground. Um, and that it's killing me anyway, you know, it's fun, but yeah, he's annoying, but you know, you heard about how he got on, right? I don't know if this is apocryphal or not. How he came back to the show or how he was on. Yeah. How he came back to the show. What happened? He put on Instagram last year, last season of in just like that, which did not intend to have him on it at all. They had wrapped and it was airing. And he said something like, I'm, I'm returning. So he and just announced him, it and he had no yeah. confirmation that he was even asked to be on. He just said, I'm going to be on. I'm going to be on. And he knew they had wrapped. He knew season one was airing and they had not been picked up for season two. He just lied and told everyone he was going to be on the show. And I don't know if he meant season one or in the future. And wow. then they, I guess, took that as a sign he was interested and reached out. And, you know, I don't know. Um, I think it's perfect. I mean, I think they should have thought to put him on. I can't believe they wouldn't have, but that's what I heard. It could just be a bullshit story. I mean, he really did do that. I don't know if that's what made them go, Oh, we should. I just couldn't imagine they wouldn't have, but you know, um, I'm, 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 I'm just excited to to make fun of it again. It's always dicey for me because I write for a TV. And so, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but, um, and, and I understand how it works. You can't, you know, there's a lot of really great, young, funny writers on that show who are getting some of their, um, you know, it's a big break for them. And and some of them are, I don't mean that condescendingly. I mean, they've written on other things too, but this is like, they get to write their own episode and all that. Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, your script still has to go through the guy that runs the show, the girl that runs the show, the whatever. And so when I'm making fun of it, I'm really making fun of Michael Patrick King. I don't mean to make fun of any of the writers who I know really don't have any control over how he rewrites their script. And and for me, I think it's fine to make fun of the kind of out of touch guy that, you know, is trying to like, (laughs) you know, I don't know, like it feels like he has to explain why um, they never had any friends that were different from them. And then we get these clunky stories like just <laughs> ugh, and, and the puns and, but anyway, and Chain Diaz, like, I'm just like, it's just that like, did you interview any comedians like at all about like, yeah, they had Bobby Lee there who was on Carrie's podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Chain Diaz. He's a real comedian. Like ask him what it's like, you don't do a comedy concert and have people snapping. Like it's not, Unless Che mm-hmm. is some like next level being who doesn't care how comedy's done, which it seems that might be yeah, the case. The whole podcast storyline was way off the rails. I mean, from the studio itself to yes. Carrie not understanding what sex was for some reason. You know, just being suddenly Carrie is prude when it comes to being asked about sex, even though she wrote a column called Sex in the City for I many, know. many years. I don't Well, I, she yeah. was always, you know, the most prude in a way. Like she'd write about what everyone else was doing. Yeah. And then as the actress, like never nude scenes. So I think like the act, I think SJP herself is probably like that. And and maybe she (laughs) felt more empowered to, to bring it out, but it it is, it is weird where again, once again, it's not quite the American nervous breakdown, but it's, it's people having trouble separating themselves from their character. I feel like she didn't want to be seen as rich. I'm talking about Mm -hmm. Sarah Jessica Parker. I, this is my theory and it might be informed by people who know her, but I'll just keep that to myself. But my theory is that she wants to be relatable. So she's not staying in the big fancy apartment that big built, you know, with his financial money, she's going to move back to her 
apartments that's the size of the one I live in. Now, let me tell you this. Hmm. If I marry someone who's a millionaire and they die, I'm staying on Park <laughs> Avenue in the big, like, I don't care because if people think I'm rich. You, yeah. Of course you would. Yeah. And I'd keep the small apartment for, you know, maybe as an office. But here's the thing. As stories go and as sentimentality goes, of course I'm happy she's back in her original place. Of course. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I think you're trying to to um, not get criticism for showing a very wealthy person in New York. But it's 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 okay to have shows where people are wealthy in New York. I promise. It's okay. As long yeah. as we have other things too, you know. Anyway, but I'm just excited. And the whole podcast, I'm like, this is a radio, this is a morning radio show. This is not a podcast. I like, know. Why are people calling in? <laughs> but speaking of which, good Lord, your recaps of each episode when you were doing that was fucking amazing. And and now that we're talking about it, and it's been uh, almost, what, it was 2021 when that was out? So it's been, it's yeah. been some time since we've been through that uh, universe again. So now as we're talking about it, I'm thinking of all these things. All these things are reoccurring to me about season one. Like the way they treated Steve as this doddering ah. old man. Like he's what, 60? and they treated him like he's this 84-year-old guy, you know, like the oldest man in the world, that old, like, Dana Carvey character, basically. Uh, and they're just like, he's like a sexy guy for, like, his type of guy. Like, the, the fact that he these hearing aids, what? He's, they're in his ear, and he still can't hear. And I'm like, then there's one scene where he's like, ah, they're in the couch. No, they're not. They're not. And it's like, give him a cool reason to have a hearing loss. Like, make it be, because, you know, he worked in these loud clubs his whole life. And, he, and that's just that scene where, you know, I get, listen, I get that they're trying to show that Miranda and him mm -hmm. had, you know, their sex life was boring to her because they'd been together so long. I get that. But it doesn't mean everyone suddenly doesn't know how to do sex. It just means you're tired of that person. And she had this awakening by being with Che. And and so I'm fine with that. But I didn't like the way they made it like Steve suddenly doesn't know what he's doing. Like <laughs> He's completely then, incompetent, so yeah. He's fingering her in the kitchen and she's like, <sighs> like he's doing it wrong. I'm like, um, he was a bartender in the 90s. He knows how to finger people. Like he's, yeah. and then he washed his hands before, which I thought was the hottest thing you could ever do. Sure. And she's like all mad that he wasn't spontaneous. I'm like, speaking of germs, you know what germs are on his hand? Like, oh, thank you for washing your hands. Yeah, so Miranda, do you know what a gynecologist. Miranda, do you know what a UTI is, for God's sake? Yeah, let him, let him wash his hands. <laughs> I mean, I just was like, but also just, yeah, they make him so doddering. And mm. the real, what I find so odd is the actor in real life has hearing loss. So I don't understand why he didn't, um, maybe he did speak up. I don't know. But like, if he didn't, why he wasn't offended? Yeah, yeah. It it's was... just, it's not even like funny. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, I'm... I think, yeah, they, they created the whole, they, they contributed to the whole 50 is 80. Exactly right. So I'm, I'm desperately looking forward to uh, your podcast. Oh, well, that all being said, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. And, um, and people can go to YouTube. My YouTube page has all the recaps, like they're hour, then hour long each. It's ridiculous. Um, most of the comments are like, why are you so upset about this? I'm like, hey, listen, no, it's, it's not that it's not that at all. You know what? No one makes fun of Star Wars more than I do. And I fucking love Star Wars. Exactly. So, it's because I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, and and I, we, yeah. We want it to be good is, is ultimately what it is. And so there were lots of things to criticize about and just like that season one and maybe they're going to fix some of those things in season two but maybe they're not and even if they're not it's, it's going to make it fun that they're not 
<laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think they will. It's kind yeah. of like people saying, oh, well, maybe Trump will become presidential once he gets in office. No, <laughs> you don't know who you're dealing with. Michael Patrick King does not think he did anything wrong. I listened to the <laughs> and just like that podcast where he and the writers talk about every episode. Yeah. And he would address every criticism they got. And he's just oblivious and just powering through and like nobody gets it. And this is amazing. He has no idea. He's just so high on his own supply. So I'm looking forward to an even worse second season and losing my mind and, you know, more comedy concerts and more just awkward um, everything. I'm just so excited for uh, all. I just want less children, too many kids, too many episodes about people's kids. Don't That's care. Right. Don't right. care. Yeah. Yeah. Don't care. Get the kids out of there. Nobody cares. Well, uh, run, don't walk and pick up OK Gen X <laughs> right now. Uh, the podcast is the No Fun Podcast. Patreon, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And of course, you can follow Jen on social media at Jen Kirkman. There it mm -hmm. is. I want to do something where we watch the entire run of Sex in the City and comment on every episode. That's how ambitious I am with this shit. But oh, I, yeah. I, well, if I knew how to do a reaction video, I'd do one, but I'm very overwhelmed at like, wait, the video's playing and then I do one? Like, I, yeah, I don't even know. It's all very confusing. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jan. It was great talking to you. You too, Bob. Bye, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.